This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. We're into a brand new year, and we've got a brand new show for you this weekend. Libel Sternbach stops by to talk about your finances. Dr. Nathan Chomolo talked about the RSV, COVID-19, and also the flu. We want to keep you healthy in the new year. And we have our words to the wise, and we celebrate our national day. All this and more as New Beginnings comes your way right now. And with me is Mr. Joe McKenzie. Don't laugh, Joe. He is the founder of Ripple Connects. He turns candidates into contenders. If you'd like to learn more about Joe McKenzie and the fine work he does, rippleconnects.com is the website. The telephone number is 763-438-1621. Joe McKenzie, hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you, Freddie Bell. For nine years, we've been speaking with the New Beginnings listeners and really you know, doing some great work together, and it's because of you my career has catapulted and gone beyond what I ever could think. So thank you for investing in me and and having that confidence in me to deliver each and every week for the past almost nine years. Thank you very much. You're awfully kind, and uh, it makes me smile. And I believe that's what we're talking about this weekend, your own self-value. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In- invest in yourself, and this is... Freddie, this is the the week that I I like to look at your – I go through your book quite often, and this one stood out to me. Invest in yourself. These are your words to the wise. And I hear that often, Mm -hmm. invest in yourself. But you know what? Often without any kind of guidance. Freddie, how do you help someone to take actual steps to invest in themselves? It's really interesting because – your question makes me think about a conversation I had with a student not long ago, and I was asked a similar question. What does this mean in your book, Words of the Wise, Freddie Bell? And I said, well, if you read the preface to the book, uh, you can put you can open to any page and let that page speak to you. So it means what it means to you. I mean, I can have a value statement around those uh, three words, invest in yourself, but it could mean anything. So I might be in front of somebody, someone who's having a health issue. So maybe invest in yourself heard by that individual could mean, well, yeah, you're right. I only have this one body. So perhaps it's important for me to invest in what's going to give me the opportunity for a long and healthy life. Maybe I need to walk 30 minutes a day. I've heard you talk about that before, Freddie Bell. Maybe walking 30 minutes a day can stem the tide of Alzheimer's. Maybe I'm talking to somebody else and they're talking about uh, getting good sleep. You know, maybe they're hearing this and says, well, you know what? I've only been getting two or three hours of sleep. I'm just worried. I, I stay up trying to figure things out. But maybe if I go to bed and wake up at the same time every day, maybe if I use, I don't know, a sound machine, Joe McKenzie, or something like that to get eight hours of good sleep, investing in yourself could mean that to that particular individual. It takes on different characteristics depending upon who's reading it and at what time they read it in their lives. So, Freddie, I, what I hear you saying is invest in yourself, 
those words is it's up to the individual on what that means. And if it's going to be career related, health related, relationship related, you help them to see what those next steps could be. But you start with, you, you ask them questions on, you know, where do you want to go with this? How do you, how do you invest in yourself? And then you move out from there. That's, that's what I hear you saying versus, Many people use invest in yourself as a catchphrase and they really don't back it up. And, but you do, you, you hear that person, but then you also open up the world to them. If in this case, it was health, getting more sleep, getting more exercise, and that's investing in themselves. Absolutely. I hear you talk often about uh, your careers and let's just look at it from that perspective. So you're, if you're looking at the job market and how, you evolve as an individual, how you evolve and how companies evolve, for example, maybe you decide that it's important to keep up uh, your skill level in a particular area. And so maybe you think that maybe my skill gap is is wide. Maybe I need to close that gap. So maybe I need to go back to a trade school and develop certain skills, maybe in software. I've heard of a new program called Slack. A lot of people don't know what Slack is, but maybe that's something that I need to learn more about. Maybe I need to develop my, I don't know, analytical skills. Maybe I need to develop how to become a real leader and take some self-advancement courses that help me to hone those skills for that career that I'm trying to move into or to expand in. So it, it can take on a lot of different colors. It's like the coat of many colors. What's important to you right now is typically where an individual needs to invest in themselves. I also heard you so talk about ev- expanding your network. We talked about that last week for a person going into retirement. You know that uh, I did some research after we we talked last week, Joe McKenzie. Okay. 80, 85% of jobs are filled through networking. And we talked about networking last week. So maybe investing your, in yourself involves taking some time to grow your network by connecting with professionals who can help you to get from where you are to where you want to be. That's right. And, and that's a, a stat that just jumps out. But you also know what you've been talking about is that's where, that's the starting point. And, and sometimes a new career or that skills gap or just that anxiety over your current job, you know, it's, it has to start somewhere mm-hmm. and other things fall into place. So, I think that's how you're helping somebody with this book and your coaching is it has to start somewhere, but even just getting more sleep, getting better health, or just having, you know, finding a different job, a lot of things. Now the opportunity uh, is there for you to invest in yourself in different areas of your life. That's what I hear you saying. Right. Uh, I think when we hear that phrase, invest in yourself, we automatically start thinking about money. Maybe I need to go buy this software or I need to invest in this course. Now, think about this one, Joe McKenzie. How about if you invest time in your family? You know, family is really, in my opinion, it's really important. So maybe we can show a little bit more how much our family means to us by investing a bit more. There's that word, investing more in our family. Maybe it's cooking a meal together and maybe you don't cook normally. Well, maybe this is a way that you can connect with that significant other in your life by cooking a meal. I'm not saying cooking all of your 
meals together, but uh, maybe cooking that meal or planning a trip or maybe a family game night or joining them if they're running to the grocery store or what have you. But that is a way of investing in your family, investing in yourself. That is the word to the wise, invest in yourself, Joe McKenzie. I I can really appreciate that as as a you know someone that you know watched you and and how you've helped people and how you, that's allowed me to invest in my children, my family, but in their careers too. You know, spending time with them. And you're right. I think the word invest sometimes brings up about the money that needs to be spent. And really, it's time. It's 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 energy. It's just paying attention. It's 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 carving out time to be a part of that the other people's lives or just spend more time in your own life and it doesn't have to always mean spending money and that i think that is where we're going to have that breakthrough many people do think you have to spend money and it's not always the case and what you're what you're saying here today exactly i started out with money because i think that's where most people go when they think about the words invest in yourself and that's the real value of the book words to the wise You can find your own truth. You can find your own value by taking time to think about the words that are written in this book. It's designed to be not more than a sentence. Two sentences is really long for this particular book. But it allows you with white space in the book to write on those pages the thoughts that come to you and ideas and the processes that help you to be a better person than you were before you turned a page in the book. Joe McKenzie, I've got to leave it right there. Do you have a final thought? I just know that uh, investing in yourself means more than just money, and it's investing in in a lot of different areas. And sometimes just starting at one point gives you that opportunity to invest in other areas of life. So thank you, Freddie Bell, for those words to the wise. It's my pleasure. Joe McKenzie does fine work at Ripple Connects. I heard that he turns candidates into contenders. Thanks for being with us, Joe. Thank you, Freddie Bell. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and Happy New Year to all of you. And joining us right now from AARP Minnesota is Mr. Jay Happala, AARP Minnesota Fraud Watch Network, and he is the Community Engagement Director. Jay, good morning and welcome back. Hey, good morning, Freddie. Thanks, and it's always good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. And uh, we're into this new year and uh, has a commitment to safeguarding fraud for your members and those across Minnesota changed any as we go into the new year? Well, whether you're into New Year's resolutions or not, it's there's no better time than right now to make a commitment to how you and your family can stay safe from all of this fraud, because really the industry is exploding with fraud and identity theft and and scams. You know, we won't have the statistics from 2022 for a few weeks yet, but I can tell you from 2019 to 2021, which is the period of time for which we do have statistics, and now I'm talking about before the pandemic to the middle of the pandemic, there was an increase of more than 300% in the amount of money reported lost to fraud and identity theft. So in those few short years, we went from $2 billion, which is a lot of money to be losing to these criminals, to almost $6 billion in, in that time period. So there's no reason to believe we're headed in any other direction than more and more losses due to this fraud and identity theft. You know, that's a daunting uh, statistic. And I'm wondering, 
Do you have a, happen to have a short list of what we can do to protect ourselves and our families this year? That's why we're here today. So uh, let me just talk about the AARP Fraud Watch Network. So this is a program we run because we know people are concerned and they need information to stay safe from all of these scams. So what we do at AARP, we operate a helpline where people call and report scams and they can get some help from us. But also we collect all that data and information so we can alert the public to the latest scams and how they can stay safe. So I'm here today with you to talk about my best tips for how people can commit to staying safer and protecting their loved ones in the new year. So I can start with number one, if you're ready. Sure, let's go. Let's go. So number one, I recommend that people monitor your financial account. So this is where you have consumer protections. If you're looking at your bank account, any of your financial accounts, savings, investments, For the most part, if you report an unauthorized charge to your bank or your financial institution within a reasonable amount of time, you're not going to be responsible for that loss. Hmm. So that's the first thing I recommend for people to focus on is monitor the financial accounts that they have. All right. What would be your second tip? Number two, check your credit report. So this is how you find out if someone is using your identity to gain access to credit or someone else's money. So if someone stole your identity and opened up a line of credit, this is where you'd find out. And the website is important to remember. It's easy to remember. It's annualcreditreport.com. So don't just go online and search for free credit reports because there's a lot of imposters out there. So instead, go right to annualcreditreport.com annualcreditreport.com. We're talking with Jay Hapla about how how to some tips on how we can uh, take ourselves right now to protect ourselves and our families against fraud in the new year. We've gone through tip number one, monitoring your financial accounts. Number two, check your credit report. What's tip number three? Yeah, this is what we call covering all the bases. So if you're monitoring your financial accounts, if you're checking your credit report, which you can do for free three times a year, then the third step to take to cover all the bases is to pay attention to the method of payment you're using. And I recommend always use credit card, debit cards, personal checks, and automatic bill pay as much as you can because that's where the consumer protections are. Now, scammers, they want to get paid with gift cards and wire transfers and cryptocurrency, cash, and peer-to-peer payments like Zelle. That's where the scammers want their victims to be paying because they lack the consumer protections. So instead, I recommend always using your credit card, your debit card, personal checks, and automatic bill pay as much as you can. Jay, it still baffles me that people use gift cards as a method of payment for their utilities and uh, the regular routine payments. That's just amazing to me. So that's step number three. Step number four. Yeah, so a couple other tips of how people can stay ahead of the con artists is one, you can sign up and stay up to date with the latest scams by getting our AARP Fraud Watch Network alerts. And folks can sign up for those at aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. And finally, I'll say don't let your family and friends be isolated and on their own against these criminals who are targeting us. So the more we can talk with our family and our loved ones and the people that we trust about financial decisions, we'll all be better protected from fraud in the new year. All right. What's that telephone number again if we have more questions or concerns about fraud or attempted fraud? Yes, people can call us toll-free. It's 877-908-3360. All right. Jay Hapla, can't thank you enough for being with us. And I know I said it at the beginning, Happy New Year to you and yours. Happy New Year. 
just for fun as we start out the new year on New Beginnings and some famous predictions that time has revealed to be way off base. An 1899 illustration in Life magazine depicted a bridge to be one day to be constructed over the Atlantic, providing trolley service between New York and London. It didn't happen. Professor Desmond King Hill, a futurist, predicted in 1970 that most computers would remain at least the size of a small room. <laughs> Consider what you are listening to New Beginnings on this week. And a Dr. R.R. R. Coleman said in the 1880s, Women, you're on the brink of destruction. You are attempting to cultivate your mind. Beware. Science pronounces that the woman who studies is lost. Well, what's a weird smell you're willing to admit that you like? Here's what the internet says. Someone lighting up a pipe. I don't want to smoke a pipe, but the initial scent is amazing, some people say. Others like the fresh smell of tennis balls. How about the smell of matches when they ignite? Or some people actually like the smell of horse barns. And be careful with those holiday gifts, things like power tools given to dedicated do-it-yourself home handymen sends thousands of them to the hospitals in the weeks following the holidays. A medical expert says that they'll be trying out a new saw or a new power staple gun, and the next thing you know, they're in the emergency room with a nail through their arm. And finally, what's the worst email mistake you can make? You know, emails are a part of modern life with office workers churning through 120 sent and received messages daily. If you want any of the ones you send to get responded to, don't trip over your grammar. Email management service Boomerang analyzed 250,000 emails and found that making an error in the subject line translated into a 5% decline in the likelihood a message would be opened. The most heavily punished mistake was messing up capitalization in a subject line. Beware. Just for fun this week on New Beginnings. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings, New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Now is my favorite time of the program when we turn our attention to talk finance with Libel Sternbach. Libel is an amazing author. He is the Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's here today to talk about Social Security. Libel, hello and welcome back. Hey, how are you doing this week? I'm really well, and uh, thank you so much for asking. And I'm just curious, so let's start with the big question. Can you really get 175% more in SS benefits? So, you absolutely (laughs) can. In fact, if you don't believe me, right, go to the Social Security website, Pull up your statement, right, and look on the bottom left of it, right? It has a whole list of all the people who can get benefits under your work history. And on there, it says the maximum family benefit, which is 175% of your Social Security, right? So there are all these people, which includes your spouse, your surviving spouse, children, parents, there's, there's a long list of people you can get paid on your work history and factoring in what they get and if they can get it and when to get it really can make a difference in your Social Security. So when you're thinking about filing, right, it's not just about you, it's about everyone else, right? And isn't that really most things in life? It really is. Do you see that a lot of people miss that particular piece of information? A hundred percent. 
again, this goes back to, you know, this conversation that we've had over, you know, a whole bunch of episodes, the headline thing, right? It's, it's so easy to go out with these bold statements of, you know, delay and get the biggest check or take early and get it as, you know, the longest lifetime benefits or, you know, people do the break even thing or whatever, right? All those things are nice headlines, but they have nothing to do with your reality. This is what I tell every single person. I say, you know, unless you're single, unmarried and don't have kids, right? Delaying social security benefits is probably not your best option. And even if you're single, unmarried, and don't have any kids, delaying may not be your best benefit. In fact, I just told a couple this morning who they were thinking that they should, you know, one of them should take early and one of them should delay. I actually told them both to take early, even though it would reduce their benefits by a significant amount of money. I told them to take early because it would take the pressure off of their portfolio, their investment income, and would make their retirement last so much longer. And it, in fact, it added it added something like a million dollars to their retirement savings over the next 20 years just by taking Social Security early. So the answer is really different for everyone. And you really, you got to map it out to find out what is the ideal filing age for both you and your spouse. Do you find that there is a ratio? Is there, do you find that more people take these SS benefits early? Is it like 60% or where does it, where does it usually uh, shake out? I don't know in terms of how many people do I recommend taking early versus delaying? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it, I, I, I think everyone's different. Um, and that's where I was going. I think there, it really, it really depends. I know there isn't a percent, I can't put a percentage and say, you know, this percentage, I say early, this percentage later, because it's, it really becomes a very much a cash flow question and not a question of how much, how do you get the most out of social security? Interesting. Everybody, if you haven't been able to tell, we're talking about getting the most out of your SS benefits. And Libel, I I read somewhere about filing for my spousal benefits and suspending my benefits so I can get delayed retirement benefits. Is that an effective strategy? And is that really a thing? So it used to be an amazing thing that people could do. It used to be Right. You had your Social Security benefits. Right. You you paid into this insurance program that the government provides and you also could get benefits under someone else's. Right. And so you were able to tell Social Security, hey, listen, I'm going to claim my spousal benefits, but I want my personal benefits to continue to delay. I'm not going to claim my own. Right. And so what that allowed you to do was to accrue those deferral benefits, get the full maximum amount that you could from your benefits while still getting something from Social Security on your spouse's benefit. Now, this is this is something that I've been yelling from the rooftops for the last few years. This is what I call a stealth tax. This is one of the ways that Congress has been taxing us without saying that they're taxing us, right? This is a way that they're reducing benefits without coming out and getting everyone angry that they're reducing Social Security. So what they did was they implemented a new rule called the deemed filing rule. Now, this rule, what what they sold it as was, we are going to close the loophole of all these people who are taking advantage of the social security system and doing things like this file and suspend. When in reality, what they did 
was they said these benefits that you are entitled to, that you have been entitled to up for, for, you know, since the program began, we're going to terminate that. And we're going to say that the only way that you can get your spousal benefit or these other people, this 175% of benefits that are owed to family members, the only way they can get those benefits is if you file for your social security. And so now what happens is it really becomes important for you to decide when you file for social security. So the breadwinner needs to figure out when do they file. And then the, the secondary spouse, the one who was, you know, staying at home with the kids who didn't have that big great income, they really need to figure out whether to file, you know, file early or file late. And one of the reasons why they may want to delay their benefits, even though, even though they do not get um, even though they're not really going to get a huge amount from Social Security, is mainly so that they don't reduce their survivor benefits, right? And so this becomes a, a huge calculus that you got to think about is not just, you know, my benefits when I'm living, but my benefits when I die, and the benefits of my children or my dependent parents who can also claim on my Social Security or who may also receive benefits. And oftentimes, you know, claiming a little bit early will end up actually getting you more lifetime money than if you delay and get the bigger check. We're talking with Libel Sternbach, and we're talking about whether to take your Social Security benefits early or to delay them. And I'm just curious, is there a formula that you use when you're talking with people who bring you these types of questions, Libel, that tells them when the right time might be to start receiving these benefits? Yes. Yeah, so there are there's a process. There's a process that I go through, right? To say a formula would make it, you know, um, would make would lead you to believe that you can plug in some numbers on on a computer screen and it would give you an answer. And there are tools out there that pretend to do that. But here's the problem with just plugging numbers on a screen is that it takes those numbers out of context, right? And something that if you're on any of my classes, you hear me talk about all the time. We can talk in depth about Social Security. We can talk in depth about taxes. We can talk, you know, to our heart's content about the theoretically best decision to make. But the truth is, is how does it all work together? How does it create the experience we want? How does it create the retirement that we want, right? The lifestyle we want. That is the real question. So the question becomes, right, is, and, and this is this is the process that I do for everyone. I do it for free for anyone who takes the time to actually book some time on my calendar and go through this process, 100% free, it is number one, we take a look at what is your income needs in retirement, right? What, what do you need to live on? Number two, we take a look, social security claiming early, claiming late, what is the ideal, you know, what will get you the theoretical most amount of money, and then we run some analyses. Right. And we see, OK, based on the amount of money that we need in retirement, based on what our assets are that we we're going to have to convert into retirement income based on Social Security. How do we bring those three things together so that we create the best experience for ourselves? What gives us the most amount of money in the immediate future? What gives us the most amount of money in the long term future? What is best for our surviving spouse? Right. And for our children or the people who we want to leave money to in uh, when we pass. Right. Those are the questions that we need to ask. And there is no way around doing the hard work to figure it out. Right. We, we just got to go through. We got to go over everything and, you know, see what makes the most sense. And I can tell you right now that 
every time that I thought I knew the answer before talking to someone, right, I would talk to them and be like, oh, you know, I'm sure that we, we should delay benefits. I'm sure we should take it early. When I do the analysis, I'm always surprised by the answer, right? You you really don't know what the best solution is until you do it and you see, wow, right, if, if I take it, you know, two years earlier than I thought or I delayed it by a year, it's going to make my retire. It's going to have such a huge impact on my retirement, right? I mean, uh, there, there's one couple that um, you can actually, if you go on my website and some of the classes, you can see me talking to them. Um, they, I came out and I told them and I said, you should delay uh, Social Security or you should figure out where to make up $15,000 a year more in income because that had such a huge impact on their, their ability to stay retired. Right. Fifteen thousand dollars was the difference to make it or break it for them. Wow. And that's something, right? You can get it from Social Security by delaying for a few years, right? You can get it by making your investments uh stretch a little bit longer, right? And maybe that's the solution, right? Maybe it's that they don't take money, they take our social security early so that their retirement savings can grow longer, mm-hmm. right? And the calculus is different for everyone, but we gotta do the hard math. Well, you know, every we just come through uh, a midterm election, and then in another couple of years, there is a general election. And at every point, there seems to be discussion about Social Security and whether or not there is enough money to fund it. Do you think that this is all hyperbole? Do you believe that uh, these SS benefits will go bankrupt? Will we lose this money somehow? So uh, what I will tell you is that for... Um, for current uh, Social Security beneficiaries, people who are going to receive money probably in the next 10 years, I don't think that you should be worried too much. Um, there is concern that possibly, um, you know, in 20 years from now and 10 years from now that Social Security will not be able to pay the full check. Um, I find it highly unlikely that Social Security will actually go bankrupt and that they won't be able to pay the full benefits. Um, because that's going to be bad for Congress, right? Right now, baby boomers are the biggest voting block. They will be probably for the next 15 years, right? So as long as they are a very large um, voting block, nobody is going to hurt their Social Security. However, what they will do is they're going to do things that you don't realize affect your benefits, things like this deemed filing rule, right? It didn't affect current beneficiaries, only new beneficiaries. And it's something that nobody understood what they were talking about. Nobody understood how this was going to impact their Social Security benefits, right, or their future Social Security benefits, so went under the radar. They're going to do things like that. They're going to do things like tweak the cost of living adjustment so that it doesn't keep pace with inflation. Um, Or they're going to tweak how much of your Social Security is taxable. Right now, up to 85% of your Social Security benefits are taxable, but they can easily make that 100%. They can make it more than 100%. They can even make it that it's, you know, like you may not realize this, but once you're claiming Social Security benefits, 3% of the taxes you pay actually go back into Social Security. So even though you don't have a line item on your tax return that says you're paying Social Security, you're paying into Social Security, and they may increase that, Mm. right? They may change the math of what's included in taxable income for Social Security. So we want to make sure that we're as independent as possible and that we're making the best decisions as uh, as possible. So for people who are, you know, you know, retiring in the next 10 years, I wouldn't worry about that. That's not my primary concern. 
for them is that Social Security will not be uh, there. For people my age, for people younger, yes, 100% that's a concern because the Social Security as it's run right now is not a sustainable program. We're just about out of time, seconds away. How can we get more information about these SS benefits? Go to my website, yieldsforyou.com. On there, under resources, I've got a guide called the 5-Minute Social Security Maximization Guide. Go through that ton of information, ton of links. There's like over 30 links to individual pages on the Social Security Administration website where you can find, you know, if, you know, I tell you high level, if you would qualify for something or if you should look more in detail, there's links to it. I have a class on my website. And take me up on the free analysis, right? We'll go through, we'll do this analysis for you, answer any questions you have, and give you the information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your loved ones. Thank you, Libel. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Libel's website is yields for you. That's yieldsforyou.com. Yields, the number four, the letter U.com. I'm Freddie Bell, and more New Beginnings is straight ahead. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find me online on Instagram at Freddie Bell Radio and follow the conversation on Twitter at Freddie Bell. And right now is time for our national day. Today is National Play Outside Day. You know, all year long, we're given numerous opportunities to get outside and play. But sometimes life, responsibilities and distractions keep us from spending time in the fresh air as we should, or even maybe snow or inclement weather. National Play Outside Day is a reminder to stretch our legs and expend some energy in the great outdoors. It also gives us an opportunity to explore our neighborhoods. While it's impossible to list all the benefits of outdoor play, I've got a few to share. It clears the cobwebs from our brains and we sometimes get stuck on a topic, a project or an issue and we're unable to resolve it. A change of scene often brings clarity we didn't have before. And finally, outdoor play provides terrific physical activity for our bodies. Our hearts pump fresh oxygen to our limbs and to our brains. Today is National Get Outside and Play Day. You're listening to New Beginnings Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to the program. And joining us now is the medical director for the state of Minnesota's Medicaid and Minnesota Care Programs, who is also a wonderful pediatrician. Say hello to Dr. Nathan Chomolo. And doctor, there's a lot of alphabets out there for the different uh, maladies affecting a, a lot of us. RSV, we got COVID-19 and the FLU, which everybody knows is flu. So with the, with the RSV, why is that so bothersome right now impacting children when RSV has been around for such a long time. Yes, Freddie, thanks for having me again. Always always a pleasure to join you here. Uh, and so, yeah, RSV is really common. It's something that we see a lot in pediatrics in particular. Uh, it really is uh, bothersome, particularly for our youngest kids. And so, typically, RSV hits kids under the age of two the hardest. And, um, you know, before the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a pretty, you know, routine RSV season uh, that you would expect uh, to see uh, kids, more kids getting sick with RSV, some kids ending up in the hospital. Um, and that would usually start kind of pretty, you know, late into the fall, early winter, um, and then kind of last into the, the early part of spring. Um, so, you know, what we saw with COVID-19 was that because of things like masking, that kids were staying home uh, and not going to school, that a lot of us were staying, you know, out of uh, really crowded spaces and, and not getting together the same, that you, 
that first year of COVID-19 in uh, 2020 into 2021, we really didn't see uh, as many uh, RSV cases that we typically do. And then we ended up when folks started getting back together again more and more in the spring of 2021, we actually saw a kind of a really late RSV season. Um, Right now, what we're seeing is a pretty early RSV season. We've seen an unusually high number of RSV cases in Minnesota in particular for this time of year. And the rise of cases, how fast we've seen them has been pretty sudden, um, more than we typically see as well. So is RSV deadly for the smallest of us in Minnesota? You know, it can be, uh, you know, particularly for babies who are born earlier, you know, we call preterm or were born with low birth weight or are born with um, some underlying medical condition, you know, early on in their life, RSV can be quite serious. And then we're starting to learn more too that for um, our elders uh, who also might have some underlying chronic illnesses, heart diseases, lung diseases that, you know, if they get hit with RSV, it can be pretty serious, you know, for them too. But, you know, for uh, most of folks, it, it presents as uh, you know a cold, sore throat, runny nose, cough. Um, it can ca- cause some wheezing and you know some difficulty breathing. But you know, for most of us, you know, if we get it, we are able to recover. It's just not pleasant while we're in there. Um, and then the fact that you know we might spread it to others, take us out of work, take us out of school. Um, and what we're really seeing too is it's really stressing our healthcare system, a system that's just you know been going through it these last several years with mm-hmm. COVID nineteen. Um, and uh, you know uh, we're starting to see flu come back. Uh, we've seen you know not only uh, folks from our healthcare fields. Um, you know, get COVID-19, get long COVID or, you know, die or pass away from COVID, but, uh, you know, get just burned out and and leave the profession altogether. And so, um, you know, our our capacity isn't even just kind of like physical number of beds. It's really the people power that we have. Um, And then to add on another surge of uh, a new infectious disease just has has really put a strain on us. And so I think all these things coming together is really what has us worried about RSV is that, you know, uh, there are folks in our community that are susceptible to getting serious cases, but even for those that aren't, they might not be able to get, you know, the care that they need to help them have a a more uh, comfortable case. Um, They might not get the care that they need or the answers they need to help protect them from spreading it. Um, and, And that's the real concern. Everyone, we're talking with Dr. Nathan Chomolo. We're talking about the triple-demic, the RSV, the flu, and COVID-19. Give us an idea of what we can look forward to or uh, try to help avoid as we go into the winter. Last year, we were talking about it being the, the blizzard of diseases with COVID-19. Where do we stand for 2022 into 2023? Well, you know, when it comes to RSV, you know, we really don't know yet what this kind of rapid surge in cases will mean for later in the winter, whether, you know, we're seeing just kind of an earlier season, right? And that will it'll kind of taper off like it usually does, or if um, it will start to plateau and we'll just kind of stay at this level for a while. Or, uh, you know, what we're worried about is that it's just a more severe season. And so it's not so much that it's going to go follow its usual course, uh, that it, it, but that it's going to stick around at this high level um, for a longer period of time, putting a lot of stress on uh, our kids, uh, our families, and our healthcare system. Uh, and then we're starting to see flu increase pretty rapidly right now. In fact, we haven't seen this much flu activity at this time uh, of the year in Minnesota in the last 10 years. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of folks out there that have what we call, you know, an influenza-like illness, which could be a combination of any number of respiratory viruses. Um, testing isn't as, you know, rapidly or readily available for flu, and so we don't always get to diagnose it the same. 
Uh, but that's certainly, you know, a, a concern too. And, you know, we forget, I think, because of COVID-19 that, you know, flu is a significant player and, and as far as making people sick and even, you know, uh, killing people, taking people from us early. And so that's something that we need to keep a close eye on. And, you know, thankfully right now uh, with COVID, we're seeing lower transmission. Um, we've seen some lower levels in our wastewater um, over the last several weeks. And, you know, the, the hope is, um, you know, that, that, that kind of stays lower, but we've seen in the last several uh, holiday seasons, you know, spikes of COVID-19 uh, up here, and we are seeing um, some new variants of concern out there uh, that could change, you know, our ability to, to be protected. And so, uh, you know, these are all things that we need to be considering as we're starting to get together uh, for the holidays, making our plans um, and thinking about how we're going to be navigating out there. Great prescription. That's Dr. Nathan Chomolo from the state of Minnesota's health department. Thanks for being with us this morning. Always a pleasure, Freddie. Take care. You too. Did you know that a negative COVID-19 test is not a free pass? A test is only a moment in time. If you tested negative, but now you have symptoms, stay home and away from others and get tested again. Keep social distancing and wear a mask. A message from the Minnesota Department of Health. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the senior minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. We enter the new year, but I would like to focus our attention on the fact that we are entering a new idea. You see, 2023 is a new idea. It's not just a date on the calendar. It's our approach to what is before us. And it requires us to let go, to release what has been so that we can take up the new. I like to begin with the fact that sometimes people express to me the idea that when we say in unity, let go, let go, that very often our first thought is letting go grudges, hard feelings, struggles we've had. But letting go also means releasing our habitual thoughts, and ways that we have looked at the world. Many of you joined together on December 10th when the executive director of Unity Worldwide Ministries was here, and we had a wonderful workshop with over 50 people from around the Twin Cities and some as far away as Cedar Rapids and so forth. And one of the things that he mentioned in his view forward for our Unity Worldwide Ministries were five pillars of a unity ministry that he felt were essential for our individual ministries around the country and even around the globe to be effective. And I just want to call one to our mind for those who were there and for those of you that weren't, you'll catch on. He said one of the five pillars for a unity ministry is cutting-edge thought. 
cutting-edge thought. He referred to our founders, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, and they had something they called New Thought. It was a movement throughout the United States in the 19th century. It was a new way of trying to grasp religious ideas, and particularly in the tradition of Christianity. So this cutting-edge new thought, the first thing that went through my mind when he said that were radical new ideas, new scientific theories, deep philosophical approaches to the world. And then I realized, I believe what he was suggesting was something much more simple, something that was a real foundation of our unity movement. And some of you probably know what I'm going to say. Unity spiritual practice of denial or release and affirming or taking on. Now, I think it's helpful to us in this beautiful sanctuary that we've been gifted by those who worked through the years to create it, that here in our Western windows, and first of all, in church architecture, the West is always directed toward the future. And our West windows are renunciation and life. And in the 12 powers teaching of unity, that is essentially denial and affirmation. Renunciation, a big fancy word up there, you may just like letting go, forgiving. It means what you are willing to release your grasp on. It may be hard feelings toward others. It may be struggles in life. But it can also be the way that you're accustomed to viewing yourself, others, our world. And so let me give you an idea that's much less emotional. Emily Cady gives the idea in our foundational textbook, Lessons in Truth, that it's important just as it was centuries ago, for people to take up this newfangled idea that was coming around the church was really threatened by it. And that was the idea that the earth travels around the sun, not the other way around. That the sun is stationary. The old idea was The earth was the center of the universe, and everything revolved around us. Well, people had to let go, and it was quite a struggle, especially for the church of the time, to let go of this idea that the earth was stationary and the sun moved. But they had to release or deny that idea so that they could see the new understanding of our solar system, that it was actually the Earth moving, orbiting around the sun. It was a shocking idea. And I believe, in a way, that's what Reverend Chad Groverlin, presenting this workshop, 
and leading our association of churches worldwide meant by a cutting-edge thinking in our ministries. It means that we are willing, individually, but also as a community, to let go of the old in order to take up the new. Now, I want to call our attention to something entirely different. A quote I love from Helen Keller, that extraordinary human being who spoke with such wisdom, courage, and insight or inner sight. She said, what we once enjoyed and deeply loved, we can never lose. For all that we love deeply becomes a part of us. So I think it's important to understand in this denial and releasing process that we are willing and ready to let go of ideas we realize are no longer true. They don't serve us. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, we don't say, oh, 2022 is over. I'm throwing it all away. It's totally wiped out. No, as Helen Keller says, what you deeply love in 2022, in your relationships, your intentions, you carry that as a treasure and a fruit into the new. You're just letting go of what we will see later, Charles Fillmore called the dross of negation. Isn't that a nice image? The dross the ash of negation. You're willing to not cling to old habits, but you're willing to let them go to take up something new and refreshing. But you need never fear that what you valued in this past year, in all the years of your life, what you loved and valued will always stay with you. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. And here are today's words to the wise, live from the inside out. Today's words to the wise, live from the inside out. You can find these and other words to the wise in my brand new book entitled Words to the Wise. That's our show for this week. And a special thanks to all of our guests, including Joe McKenzie, Leibel Sternbach, Jay Hapala from AARP Minnesota, and of course you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Thank you for following us on Instagram and sending your tweets through Twitter. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Freddie Bell saying that every day is a chance for a new beginning. We'll see you next time.